It is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. And thank you for being here with us. Or, well, really? Thanks for letting us be there with yes, you. Yes, yes. Have you ever gone boogie boarding? Boogie boarding. Now that is, uh, is it like skimboarding where you're, you are standing or are you kneeling on the no, board? No, I was kneeling. Kneeling And most the of the time I couldn't, that takes a lot more muscles than I had at the time. So I just kind of basically held on for dear life well, to the course. board. Yeah. That's what I did. But uh, I, I can't imagine when I was given the rope to hold on to. Uh-huh. I can't imagine letting go. Sure. Because I know that <laughs> that rope is anchored to something that's going to keep me afloat for a longer period of time than I can do on my own. And <laughs> if your friend is the type of person to play a prank, he may not circle back to get you very fast. <laughs> I have been there many times. Are you going to come back? Yeah. Thankfully, it was a lake. It wasn't shark infested waters or right. anything. But uh, no, I, I remember that. This morning I was driving in and I think God just showed me this image. It gave me more compassion for people that just don't understand who he is. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they've yet to say yes to Jesus um, or yet to say yes, that there is a God even regardless of, you know, I, sure. specifically I'm talking about faith in Jesus Christ, but they don't believe in a higher power. Mm. Sometimes I get upset when I read or I see a video, somebody is, making their argument and it's flippant and it's condescending. And then that makes me want to be that way right back. Right. Right. And then it's, it's like I, I saw from, from the safety of a boat, a life raft, you have the tether, you have the Holy spirit line there Mm -hmm. and you are trying to get it to that individual who is refusing the safety of that. Mm. And now That has removed from me the frustration and the anger. It's now just heartbreak. Yeah. Please, please. You know, I want to start viewing people like that, I think, um, when I hear those types of stories, Carter. You can know and admit something is foolish while still having compassion. But a lot of times I'll go to one side or the other. Yeah. A decision to not take a life raft is foolish, but you would, especially in a real life situation, in that literal situation, sure. you, why, why, please, please take it. And and I would understand if at one point it turns into anger. I mean, there's like how many steps to grief? <laughs> sure. So if sure. this is a grieving process and I'm mourning somebody and I'm I'm heartbroken for them, there may be a time in there where I'm angry. I understand that, but I, I want to get to the heart of of our father in regards to his kids and why. Why he's hung on so long. Yeah. Why he's driven that lifeboat around these waters for so long. There is a guy named William Lane Craig, and he, wherever he is at, he is probably the smartest guy in the room. Okay. (laughs) He is an apologist, a guy that defends the faith, but he'll talk about a lot more, you know, in bigger words and big, I mean, just a scholar, all that stuff. And he'll he'll take on atheists. And what I really love about him Mm -hmm. is that he'll... He doesn't get bothered. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get angry. Ah, and, you know, kind of do one of those, ah, but what would you, you know? And then if they get him and he's like, well, that's a good point, you know? And I mean, Oh, I love that. So he affirms the affirmable. I really like that. Mm-hmm. And he said that his goal, he was actually talking to an atheist, but he said his goal is we got to get to um, both. We both get to a point 
if the universe, because some atheists or atheists will say the universe had a beginning point and Christians will go, yeah, it did. <laughs> and, and so we're both at that point and either you take the leap of faith of it came from nothing or the leap of faith that it came from God. Yeah. And William Lane Craig goes, I'm not willing to go as far as you. Right. My my leap of faith is a lot shorter than yours. And so he has that interesting discussion of where we're both at the same point and we got to choose something. I did hear from a pastor the other day from a pulpit mention um, that you'd have to be an idiot. To, uh, a to, pastor said this? Yes, to believe evolution. It struck me hard. Mm-hmm. And maybe that word for that person didn't have as much baggage, but that word is just a harsh word. Uh, when you're in middle school growing up, somebody calls you that. It's, it's an ugly word. Yeah. And so I, I never want to be that person that if you differ in your belief system than I, I don't want you to come away from it thinking, well, Rochelle thinks I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to walk away saying she has a heart full of compassion. That doesn't mean I support their belief system. Uh, but that means I support them as a person in their right to believe what they believe, even if I, I don't believe that, you know. Sure. And so, sure. I, like you said, it's it's one thing to say, um, you know, I just what they're doing is foolish. I, I, I just want them to know not only where I stand in life, but to know that they have somebody that they can come to whenever. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whenever. So, um, Lord, let my compassion override my distaste. For the ugly in their world, because that's what God did. His grace overrode sin. And I think that's so important for us as Christians to to continue to press forward with. And what you're doing is going to God with that, because we I find that a lot of Christians will just fight the battle to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We'll get in these these discussions that don't go anywhere yeah. because we're mad at this agenda or the media or, you know, this candidate or whatever, instead of going to God and saying, how, how would you like me to handle this situation? That's really good, Carter. I, and I think we get angry and I might even u- use this to defend my anger. Well, I'm angry for God. Well, don't get angry for God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need me being his defense attorney per se. He just needs me to be an example. Yeah. He needs yeah. me to be there so that he can light that candle in my life to shine his glory for his sake. And, uh, you know, the the two guys that I've been going over in the in the Bible, I just got out of Ezekiel. Now I'm into Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra and Nehemiah, these two books in the Old Testament are meant to be read as one. Okay. They were separated later, but uh, yeah, the same timeline and... Ezra and Nehemiah, both of them get money from the kings of the time to come back to Jerusalem and rebuild after the Hebrew people have been taken out of Jerusalem and and Israel. They've been exiled into all these different communities and cultures. And the reigning empire is the Persian Empire now. So Nebuchadnezzar's gone, uh, but they are clearly aware of the Hebrew God because Daniel, well, he had some doings there with Nebuchadnezzar, didn't he? And then later he's thrown into a lion's den. We mm-hmm. get into that a little bit later. Maybe you've heard the story of Daniel. But they knew through that that incredible guy named Daniel, the prophet Daniel, that God existed, that the Hebrew God existed. And there must have been great respect, even fear, because when you read the books, you recognize these kings are like, and if anybody doesn't like the fact that these Hebrews are going back to their country, well, they're going to get it, you know, because let it be said that this king is all about 
You would let it let it go on record. So all about the Hebrew God. You know, no, I had gone over Ezra is the name of my son. So I had gone mm-hmm. over Ezra right after he was born because I just wasn't that familiar with it. Um, we love that it. it was a Bible uh, chapter, but we beautiful um, name a Bible too. book. But yeah. we and it is, but it's also a family name. And and so I know my my mother in law said I, I I would love my prayer is that Ezra's bold like Ezra. Yeah, he had valor. And yeah. uh, if I recall correctly. The king was so about it, he gave like a bunch of money oh, yeah. for this guy that's not his culture, a different culture, to go rebuild a temple that yeah. the king probably doesn't even quite understand. But he gives Ezra uh, all the stuff that was stolen by Nebuchadnezzar goes back to the temple that they still had. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and then some. And that's what I thought. And then some. Yeah. And the surrounding communities on the way there can contribute too. <laughs> So, okay, we got a command. Uh, they're here, doing yeah. all right. Yeah. And Ezra was a Bible geek. He knew the law mm-hmm. and he knew it backwards and forwards. He was the guy that if you needed to get an answer about something, all right, how many years am I supposed to let this go until I have to, you know, uh, release the debt? Ezra's the guy who knew. So you on your Bible quiz team, you want you want him. You want Ezra. Yeah. Which by the way, uh seventh year is the year of Jubilee. <laughs> I believe that that means, yeah, six years debt. Okay, seventh year it's released. That's right, that's right. And it was to keep things, it was to keep it so that no person thought of themselves more than another. But there had been a lot of stuff like that going on. And even after the exile, you would think that they would have gotten a clue. Some of them just didn't mm-hmm. because they were still influenced by the culture. Um, some of them did, though. And those were people like Ezra. They had a clue. They're like, no, this is God, this was God, God's order to us. Mm-hmm. So stop enslaving people, Nehemiah. Stop it. Stop keeping them in debt. You're right. Okay, we'll stop. So Nehemiah, it's almost the same deal. He's given money by the king. uh, And Cyrus sends him back. Wait, is it Artaxerxes? I always get these confused, but it was one of the Persian kings. Some have even speculated it was the son of Esther and Xerxes. Interesting. And and just for pop culture, the movie The 300... Xerxes is the king in that movie. I, I think it's always fascinating yeah. just seeing some random, you don't even think about the history of when it, you but cross the Persia. Those types of historical. But, and then you get in the Bible, it's like, whoa, that's the name of the, wow. oh, that, wow, crazy. Yeah. So he's sent back with funding and protection. Um, and I'm not entirely certain, like Ezra at one point, even they have, they have written orders from the king, but he's still like nervous to, to go and ask for much more from the king because he believes in God. And so there's this one point where they're kind of fearful for their lives because people are not wanting them to come back and rebuild the temple. And Nehemiah was going to rebuild the wall around the city of Jerusalem. And these folk were out to get him. And so Ezra's like, I'm not going to go and and ask for help from the king because he already knows we serve a powerful God. And I'm kind of embarrassed to ask because if we have this great God, we'll be fine. So he asks everybody to fast and pray and, I don't know if I agree with the logic of that. Okay. Because sometimes the Lord allows us opportunities and doesn't always, I I, want to be careful here because I'm just, this is an observation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is not written into the scripture, but in reading that he's embarrassed to ask for help. And yet he had to receive help from the king to come back to the city. Yeah. He didn't want to go and ask for further protection. And I'm wondering if that might've been a missed opportunity because God was setting all of this stuff up. So he asks the people there in the camp to fast and pray. Was that a necessary move? I don't know. 
Well, what is true is sometimes we read something, especially in the Old Testament with all the crazy stuff, and we read something of like, so-and-so did this. Oh, then he should have done that. That was the right thing to do. That's what we assume. It just says that they did it. It, it doesn't say right or wrong sometimes. <laughs> so you just, Lord, what does this mean? Yeah. But when you, when you see what happens next in the story of Ezra, it's the sad situation where he does know the law backwards and forwards. So much of that law established in a certain time and context for the Hebrew people, um, those laws would continuously be added to if that helps make sense of things. Like, okay, so here's a new event that has taken place, and because of this new event, we are going to add more laws to kind of help us establish, because people needed guidance. They were sheep without a shepherd, and they needed help in this. So when you stick to 613 laws in Torah, that's a lot of laws. And Ezra knew them all, and he was ready to reestablish them because we have fallen out of, of our covenant agreement with God. We got to get back on track. So he was a bold guy. Let's do this, guys. Let's do this right. He found out, though, so many of the people that returned back from exile had married with foreigners. Mm-hmm. And so immediately he knows because of what the law says over here, you need to divorce. And all these children that you've had in these types of relationships, they need to leave. But there's never a moment where I am not reading it in the scripture where he stops and asks God, is this still within the context of that decision earlier that you had established with Moses? Are you still okay with this? Because when I read in Ezekiel chapter 47 and it talks about the foreigners in the land should be given their land allotment. Mm -hmm. Why was that not intertwined with what Ezra was now trying to accomplish? So it's one of those things where I'm reminded we try to do sometimes things in our own strength. Yeah. Even when we think we have the sincerest of intentions, it's me on the lifeboat yelling at the person, get over here, get over here. I still want to save him, but I'm not necessarily doing it the way that, the, the way that maybe God would have me do it. Be compassionate in, in regards to, my friend, listen to me. Here, I'm going to throw this rope to you this way. Would you please consider grabbing it? And, and I mean, sometimes people do need to be yelled at. It's, it's one of those things where you have to follow what the Lord is telling you in the moment. Yeah, but there are those types of things you'll find in scripture. It almost feels, um, almost feels like it contradicts. There's exceptions yeah. though to what happens there because God looks at the heart of the matter, and that's the thing of it. Sometimes we look at people in our lives, those atheists online, difficult coworkers, estranged family members, and we consider them our Goliath. Mm. But what if God? is actually saying, no, they're the next Saul-Paul conversion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we get so like, I'm going to get past him and I'm going to defeat him and I'm going to blah, 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 when in turn a conversion moment is coming with or without you and your help, perhaps we should get on board. And so you see two different examples in Scripture where we get so pigeonholed. Yeah. And we think that this is it and and the— I mean, the solution is go to God. Yeah, absolutely. Go to God. David took the bread from the showroom and the priest gave it to him and he wasn't really supposed to eat it. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. The law says you, this is holy. You shouldn't eat this. But there was an exception that day. It was an emergency. Jesus referenced this story, right? Um, yeah. So if there was a God didn't strike him dead mm-hmm. and he saw through the heart of the situation and regardless of what our our instincts or our beliefs is or whatever we think about that story, God allowed that man to live and continue to thrive and bless in spite of or because of I, 
We're still unraveling the mystery of who our God is, but we need to stop. When we read something in the Bible that we believe has been revealed to us, Lord Jesus, help me to put to action what I have received from your word today. So I read this in the law over here. Is this also the right thing to do right now? Mm. And so these families were torn apart. And I don't know that that was the right action because it doesn't say that Ezra asked God, God, would you have me do this? And that was something that Moses constantly did. Would Mm. just... Lord, what do you want us to do about this? And then a new law would be written. <laughs> I would I want to be that that person. And Nehemiah, he was frustrated too. I and mean, they were granted, these guys are in intense, stress-filled situations in rebuilding a city surrounded by enemies that nobody wanted it rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Lies were going around. Hey, so and so wants to take you out. I mean, just just riffraff stuff happening. And Nehemiah, he gets fed up at one point. I mean, we've built sermons on the leadership of these two. And were they sincere? Amazing guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Did they do awesome things without doubt or question? Did they do things that were human? And did they fail? Yeah. Because they were human and we fail. So, uh, yeah, the end of the book of Nehemiah, they, they finish building the wall. Ezra reads all the book of the law. They have this big celebratory things. There's like literally musical instruments and stuff going down. It's, it's a big concert. And then Nehemiah leaves on a high note to go back to the Persian king. And when he returns to Jerusalem, it's all kind of gone to pot. And it ends with Nehemiah smacking people around because they didn't obey and abide by the rules. That's healthy leadership. <laughs> you can't do it in your own strength. Again, it's one of those things where Moses, what do you see Moses do? He constantly, had to, he had to get away, go to that mountaintop. You go away aside here. I'm going to talk to God about it. Remember to get away if you have those stressful moments. Yeah, yeah, there you go. To get away. What did Jesus do? He got away. He went and talked to the Father. You refresh yourself in the Spirit. And when you pray, it's so important. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Um, So uh, what I went through uh, earlier this week um, is when you mess up, and we've all been there. You mess up for the millionth time in the same way. Maybe there's a certain struggle that you have. And I think we all get to a point where we go, does God like me anymore? Does he love mm-hmm. me anymore? Is he there for me anymore? Because, you know, there's we've had conversations where it's like, God, where are you? Because mm-hmm. this situation is out of my control. But I'm talking about, no, I brought on myself with sin. And I'm wondering if God's going to give up on me. Mm. And that's that's hard when you, especially because you'll tell yourself, "Hey, I'm I'm going to do better," and then you do better for a while, maybe, and then you're back to the same old thing. You know, I read in John 13 the other day, and it happened to line up with what a pastor shared in, in a completely separate message. Isn't actually. it amazing how God does that? That's weird. No, it's just coincidence, right? Yeah, crazy. <laughs> All right, so I'll I'll go and read what John said first, and then um and then share what the pastor said. This is John 13, chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own were in the, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put uh, all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And, and no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part of me, uh, with me. Then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And here's the key part. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you is, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that's why he said not everyone was clean. So that is such a key phrase with what my, a key passage with what this pastor shared. There is a difference in your position in Christ and your condition in Christ. Mm. So if you believe that Jesus is the Savior, he's the only way, he's the only way to the Father, he died on a cross, he rose again, your sins are forgiven simply because of him, then your position in Christ, if you put your full trust and hope in that, then your position in Christ is established and it never changes. Mm. You're, you're saved. Yeah. That's that. But the condition can go up and down. Mm. The getting away from scripture and living our own way, that repetitive sin that comes up, whatever, you name it, we can certainly, you know, when we go to church camp, it goes back up. You're on the mountaintop. You know, there's so much up and down. Not with our... making active choices. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so a, with verse 10 right there in chapter 13 of John, Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And so he went on to say about who wasn't, and that was Judas, and the rest of them were just feet washing. So this is where we go into a um, kind of a maintenance mode, right? Like a, we understand daily that we are going to screw up in some way mm -hmm. and that we continue to come to him and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm, I'm choosing to follow you. I'm laying that down once again or laying this down for the first time. I never screwed up quite in that way before, but I'm going to lay that down and that we continually so that we are close to him, just like kind of like a marriage. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like where you'll have a strained marriage because you upset your spouse, but you're still married. Well, yeah. Do you want yourself to have a good relationship, though? Stop straining the marriage. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Stop straining the marriage. Absolutely. I I don't know. I, this subject matter is, is so, um, it's sticky for me because I have compassion in my heart for people that struggle. And, and at the same time, I also know that there's a harshness in me, too, that goes, okay, now straighten up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, if you know the truth, it says it sets you free. Have you only grabbed it with a pinky? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that hard work isn't involved in it, you know? But I, it's like, okay, it's, you have a dumbbell set. The weights are there. They're available. They belong to you. Mm -hmm. The fitness potential is yours. But if you never grab it and you never work it, you're never going to see results. Yeah. So yeah. if I want to have a, a, a strong, healthy marriage, if I want a strong relationship with God, I have to water it. And I think um, it, that's a desire in our hearts for those who truly know what Jesus did for us. It's when we truly invite him into our world, it's a natural desire that would follow just like 
when you met the love of your life and you're like, I want to know more about this person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there are definitely days with that wonderful person that you married that, you know, you're going to struggle to work at the relationship because it's there's a stagnant moment or the ups and downs as you were talking about. There are going to be those moments in your faith because of, of a medical diagnosis or you're dealing with financial. There was a curveball thrown into your path. You were not anticipating that. Mm-hmm. And that's going to put a strain on anything. But it, continue to lift that dumbbell weight. <laughs> continue to work it out. Um, and, and reading his word is one way that has helped me to connect with that because his word is truth. And and even when I don't feel like, if, even if I can't invest in prayer for some reason, I just can't connect. Just start reading a psalm or start reading the word and start kind of meditating. What does this mean, Lord? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It helps you reconnect. And otherwise, I mean, it's stale. And who wants to invest in that? Who wants to? I mean, nobody's going to want to scream from the rooftops. I'm a believer in, in Jesus Christ. If if the relationship is stale, it's going to mean nothing to you. Right. Yeah, It it's hard. And I heard one pastor say that God doesn't have favorites, but he does have intimates. And so yeah. to the the condition specifically of, sure. of what we're talking about, of how close are we, how close do we feel to God? I mean, that's going to be a big part of it. It's kind of like you um, you may not always want to go to work, but you go to work. Yeah, you go to work to get the paycheck because you know you got to. Because you know you got to. And just like you know that your life is going to be more beneficial, you know that your relationship is going to be strengthened when you show your spouse support or love and, in this case, follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. And and that can look so many ways. But, I mean, Scripture is certainly a great place to start in just reminding ourselves, what's this whole thing about? What's this whole life thing about? Am I kind of choosing my way? What's a a position on this Scripture that I know but I've never thought about because I have had new situations in Mm -hmm. my life come up? And then all of a sudden that verse that I've heard a thousand times, whoa, that totally applies to my situation right now. There's a million things that can distract you from pursuing relationship with the Lord. I mean, for example, you're sitting there talking to your spouse and all of a sudden your your phone lights up because somebody's texted you. That light up situation is going to, oh, distract you. Suddenly my gaze from you has been diverted. Now I'm looking at the phone. What is that? Right. The enemy works like that. Yeah. He pops up things that are shiny. Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And tries to distract you. And then here's something else he'll do. You feel like you've fallen so far out of that relationship place. You're ashamed about it. And the enemy wants to keep you there, too. Now, I am speaking from experience. I am not above this. I, you know, <laughs> when, I, when I find myself in these places, that, that that's what helps me is, is I need to get back in God's word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, put on a praise song. Get into a place um, in your car of just, I need to be alone with you right now, Jesus. And I just need to be real honest with you because you already know the situation anyway. I want my condition with you to be amazing. I know my position in you is solid no matter what. That's not good enough for me. Mm. Is it good enough that you just are roommates with your spouse? Right. I don't want to have a roommate for a spouse. Yeah. It's It's not... Then I'm missing out it's on the benefits of hollow being the and spouse. shallow and empty. And yeah, that's very true. Um, and relieving that this is a, uh, you know, the, the church is the bride of Christ. So in this way, this is a spouse that will never leave. 
Yeah. And you can do anything and your position never changes. And he's perfect and will always accept you. Yeah. Yeah. Which don't resent that because he's perfect. He is perfect. That's who he is. We are not. That's who we are. Yeah. So, <laughs> because with the other thing, if we were continuing to compare it with flesh, <laughs> your human spouse may very well be saying, I don't care if you knock on the door. You are not yeah. coming in this room. Nope. So, that, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus is always, he's always open to our po- policy, you know? Yeah. That's really cool. Um, all right. Well, since you just said it earlier, you were talking about the, what, the year of Jubilee? Is oh, that right? I'm sorry. Jubilee. I just, I just gotta. Are you, uh-huh. you going to sing it? Uh-huh. Hold on. Skip ahead, skip ahead. Is this it? Oh, yeah. Ready? Behold, he comes riding on the clouds. Shining like the sun. Uh huh. This brings back all sorts of memories. What year is it? Lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee. Yeah, it is. Wow. That's it. That's a blast from the past, my man, friend. Man, man. Uh, how many times did you sing that in your church service as a kid growing up? I think it's the over-under number for me would be a billion. <laughs> it, a flat billion. 